Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome James on the show. James is currently looking after international expansion at Shares, a social investment app where friends can invest and build strategies together. James, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please share a bit of background about yourself and Shares? Of course. Thanks for having me, Charles. So yeah, Shares is a social investment. What we mean by that is that it's first and foremost, what we want it to be is first and foremost, a social media app with an element of trading on there. So currently it's, we're operating only with equities and securities trading. Later down the line, we will also have an element of crypto and NFT trading and marketplace and then going down that route. So yeah, we're a social investment app similar to, for example, Robinhood in, in the US or free trade and all of the ones that you might know about, but adding more social aspect to it. That's very interesting. And when you say social investing, what do you mean? Yeah. So. Currently we are, so we have the friends feed where you can see exactly what they are investing in as it happens. And you can comment on that and react to it. We're just in the process now of launching a communities feature on the app. For example, maybe a lot of investors are particularly interested in environmental or social cause investments. They can then talk in a similarly minded group about those investments and obviously go in any direction they want to from there. It's really jumping on the back of the popularity of Reddit. You've got like Wall Street bets or Discord. Obviously, there's a huge amount of different trading communities on there. All of these sort of third-party apps, are obviously, they don't have the ability to do the actual trading on there. So we're bridging that divide to enable users to actually trade on the app, but also talk with their friends and make it a lot more accessible and social in that way. And since joining Shares, what's been your favorite moment so far? Ooh, that's a tough one, I think. I think for us, it's a very recent, a very recent event that's happened, but we've we've actually just secured a license to operate in the European territories so all over the EU, which we'll soon be expanding into. Obviously, my role is expansion manager, so that's a pretty big deal for us. That enables us to really go big from now on. So I think we, when we got that news through, it's something that we've been working on for since my time joining here, particularly the authorizations team, shout out to them. But yeah, when we got that news through, I think that was probably my highlight so far. We had a big, obviously, a celebration at that point. And in the coming weeks and months, you'll see us expanding into Europe quite fast now. With that international expansion, I, I imagine you get to travel quite a bit. We try to keep things remote as much as possible, but who doesn't want to go to go and have a quick trip to Paris or wherever else? So yeah, there will be an element of travel. Currently, we've been over to our HQ is in Paris. By the way, I didn't mention that. So we do go over there quite a lot. But going forward, I think there'll be a lot more travel into Europe and then beyond Europe as well before the year's out. Yeah, looking forward to seeing a few new places. And... What do you wish you'd known before joining Shares? Oh, that's a good question. I guess for me, going into, I worked in finance a long time ago, fresh out of university, but finance now is very different to what it was when I was working in it, in particular, the area that I was working in. So I think knowing more about Web3, crypto, the actual operational side of it and the ins and outs of it, I obviously had a high level view of what's going on, but it's been a quite a steep learning curve on that front to, to really get into the nitty gritty and understand where it's going and how we're going to implement it into our own app. So yeah, I think like everyone on, on, in the Web3 spaces that we're learning as we go along. I guess you're probably at the best place possible to learn about Web3. 
And so you mentioned international expansion. Is that the only plan for the next five years or what else is on the roadmap? For shares, yeah. Currently, we're very focused on on expanding. There isn't a product side. There's obviously huge plans in terms of creating a product that is a household name, but used in so many more ways than your average investment app as, it, as they are now. So following on from Europe, we're going to be going into APAC and South America and all of the biggest markets, India and everywhere else. That's probably going to be done by the end of the year. So I think expansion is obviously front and foremost in my mind at the moment, but on the product side, there's a whole host of different things going on. And my role is very broad at the moment. We're a very young company, so we're all wearing a lot of different hats. So I'm also doing a lot of partnerships. I'm doing some growth activations and things like that. And that's something that I found I've, I've really enjoyed doing. And I think I'll probably do a lot more of that as well. So yeah, those are things that you'd probably be more interested in, given that they all entail a lot more contracts signing. So yeah, I'll probably do a lot more different things other than just expansion, but for sure that's our priority at the moment. That's really interesting and a perfect segue to my next question around the key contracts that you interact with. So what are they and what are the common patterns that you find? Yeah, sure. At Shares, the contracts that I'm dealing with are very different to the ones, for example, in my previous job at GoPuff, which was more sort of physical goods and, and services. Whereas now, for example, the main sort of things that in expansion at least that I'm dealing with um, is like office space or I just signed a, a recently signed a, an MSA with WeWork globally. So they're, they're, they're much more far reaching because they're covering all of the countries that we're going into a lot of the time. Other than that, we sign a lot of contracts with, for example, KYC vendors, that's know your customer. So anything that needs to be localized per different country, that'll require a different contract. Or if it's a vendor that we're using across multiple countries, then we can obviously sign a, a multi-country one. So yeah, each new market requires sometimes requires new contracts done for that market. Every other overarching contract obviously serves all of the different markets that we're doing. Mainly it's things that relate to like customer onboarding or office space and going into new markets. That's really interesting. And what are maybe some of the areas of friction that you've encountered? Is it maybe market specific? Is it a specific clause which always gets picked out? What are from your experience areas where there can be friction in the contract signing process and how have you overcome them? Yeah, so I would say probably dealing with contracts from multiple different countries. One of the one of the things that jumps out to me is that they're all in different languages for a start. That in itself isn't a huge problem as long as, long as we can we have someone to translate it or someone that we can trust to really go into it for us. So yeah, that for sure is one friction point. I think also a lot of companies, it depends like where they are or what exactly they're doing, but they're not always using, for example, a system like Legislate or DocuSign or anything like that. Sometimes they'll literally require you to like print off the document, sign it, and then scan it back in, which is obviously not how we want to be doing things now. So yeah, that's another point. And the, and the other thing to mention is, for example, with the MSAs that we do globally, there's a lot of back and forth that goes on between us and the other party. That often gets done, for example, if they're sending it over on a Google sheet or something like that, just for editing purposes before it gets put into whatever system we're using. That's probably not the best way to do things. So I think, yeah, there's a few different things that could definitely be approved, improved upon, I think, from our end. That's really interesting. And the language element is something that you tend to forget if you only do English contracts. But, but ultimately, if you're going to India or wherever, it would have to be 
in local languages probably yeah india is fine i think it's mainly the uh, the french love to use french language for example most of those will be in french but yeah it's uh, and i think even just receiving for example the email in english from whatever system they're using would be a major advantage as well i see luckily your hq is in france so you must have french team members to help james i'm conscious i've already taken a lot of your time so I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? Okay, I'm going to mention a couple of things. So just as I was saying, don't make me print it off and sign it and put it back in. Also, have the key terms set out at the top. Most of the contracts that we come across, they're, well, in general, in life, I think contracts, the key terms are always buried near the bottom or in the middle of it, that you need to scroll down and find them and pick them out. I think having that information front and center for you to see and consider is going to be a really good time saver and make things a lot clearer as well. I thought you were going to say a contract in English to start with, based on your previous yeah, but you know, that's a great response and just sounds like you just described legislate in the sense that we definitely try to surface the key terms, both at the top of the contract, but also outside of the contract by presenting the contract in different views, because ultimately viewing contract as a set of questions and answers is sometimes more helpful for people who aren't used to reading contracts. And we have worked in the past on various visualizations. There's still a lot to do and a lot to improve, but yeah, how do you visualize a contract and make it easy to digest. That's, that's something we're working on. Thank you, James, for being on the show and best of luck conquering the world.